The following program contains themes and images that may not be suitable for most audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Panda Pig Inc. Rate, review, and subscribe. Hello again. It's Panda. Welcome. It's Pig. <laughs> Hello. Hey guys. Hey. This is the Heart and the Bones podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome to any newcomers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and welcome to episode 10. Yes, we're just moving right along here. Right? Isn't it lit, guys? Ain't it lit in here? <laughs> mm, no, it's quite dark. Oh, okay. It's quite dark. Darkness? Is My that old you? friend. Oh, your old friend, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you got cookies over there? Always. Oh, delicious. On the dark side. <laughs> but we don't share, so you're Well, not gonna make okay, you know what? And I'm not very good at baking, so I don't really think you want these cookies anyway. Unless they're macaroons. Yeah, but I, but that's all you. True. <laughs> that's all you. All right. Anyways, uh, we are talking today about the woman in the airport. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. She wasn't even in the airport. She was outside the airport. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> so this episode uh, has a lot to do with the morals of plastic surgery. And how people perceive Hollywood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so Booth and Bones are called out to Los Angeles to mm-hmm. investigate the remains of a body that was found outside um, the airport. And Not in the airport. <laughs> yes, outside the airport. And she is very difficult to identify because she has had reconstruct well i don't know if you call it she's had plastic surgery done to the underlying structure of her bones of her face yeah she's done like everything to herself (laughs) yeah so it's hard to um recreate what her face looked like Mm -hmm. so basically they're learning about her through her personas um as she worked as an escort um in la for the rich and famous so so they're trying to figure out who the killer is. Turns out it's um, a jealous co-worker <laughs> dun, dun, dun. who wanted... Uh, Who's afraid she's going to steal our man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so it's a pretty interesting episode. I have a lot of interesting thoughts, kind of conflicted thoughts. <laughs> but also there was a, there was a lot of good um, character side in this. Where uh, it was really entertaining, really funny. Um, oh, but yeah, also for sure. Very thought provoking. I just have thoughts. Well, I'm not sure what my thoughts are leading to, but I just had thoughts. What That's else funny. would you have? I don't know. You said interesting thoughts. I just have thoughts. Oh, just regular thoughts. Regular thoughts. I don't really okay. think they're interesting, but well, I think they're com- thoughts. If we combine your thoughts with my interesting thoughts, maybe it'll be entertaining. It'd be interesting thought thoughts. Interesting thought <laughs> thoughts. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's go with that. (laughs) So, who are the writers on this one? Yes. So, familiar uh, as before Mm -hmm. is the uh, director (laughs) from the previous episode, The Man in the Fallout Shelter, and he also um, uh, directed the pilot episode, Uh, Gregory Yatans. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So he did the pilot, 
He directed the pilot, the man in the fallout shelter, and the woman at the airport. Okay. And the writer is new. It's Teresa Lynn. That's a female. Mm-hmm. I could see. Okay. That makes a lot of sense then. Okay. For some of the themes of this. Yes. They have a lot of thoughts on like how women perceive themselves especially and why mm-hmm. they result into plastic surgery. But yeah. we will get there. Yes. It's very interesting. And the director... Great director, Mm -hmm. Um, in my opinion. All of the characters really kind of feel like themselves, make decisions like themselves, in my opinion. Yeah. You know. So there's some stuff that I was like, oh, okay. But for the most part, it seems mostly consistent. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah. I do do have some conflicting thoughts about Bones' beliefs around plastic surgery that I feel like uh, it could go one way or the other, kind of sounds a lot like what the writer put into Bones here. I also think that it's interesting how they made Zach more (laughs) oblivious to things. Like, it's cute, and he tries to make jokes, too. So that's why I was like, oh, interesting. I think what they do a good job in is that just because someone is incredibly intelligent Mm -hmm. for their age, they are still their age. Yeah. So, you know, even... They, they can be naive, they can be all of these things, yeah. even if it has to do with a lack of social awareness. Yeah. You know, just because somebody's super smart and they're a kid, they're still a kid. Yeah. There's um some thoughts, too, about Booth, too, where I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. How Booth would just be, I'm like, oh, all right. We'd be okay. like that sometimes. That's just how I felt while I was watching some scenes. I'm like, okay. Well, I'm curious to hear what you what you thought. <laughs> we'll see if I remember them. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get started. Okay. Kid so, gloves yes. is what you named the first scene. <laughs> so uh, bone the, it opens up with Bones, Dr. Goodman, and Zach. They're all looking at the remains of a um, suspected Iron Age individual. And the Iron Age was over 1,500 years ago. Yes. So that's kind of where we start. Dr. Goodman is kind of talking about them, you know, him being additionally, him not being involved in this investigation. In the investigation. They just want, they want, he wants Bones and Zach to, you know, look over the body, see what they could find and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And he was saying how he could, like, you know, contribute or something, how he had some ideas or has thoughts. And Zach's like, you're not an architect. I was an uh, archaeologist Did, anymore. <laughs> right. I was like, savage, Zach. I was like, dang, Dr. Zach. Goodman t- like gets very little respect in this episode. Oh, for sure. And then after that, like, Bone starts giving Zach directions. I'm like, okay, we need to do this, 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 but don't do this, 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 or this, or this. Mm-hmm. So Zach makes a joke like, oh, so kid gloves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, latex. Oh, wait. Uh. <laughs> I was like, you, you make a joke. You make a little yoke there, Zach. That's cute. You're I so know. Cute. And he was like, he was like, yes, I was being metaphoric. Yes. Like that, that was just too precious. It was, he's just precious all around. Oh, yeah. So then they go on to Bones' office. Yes. Where you see Booth, you know, like, hey, hey, Bones, hey, look at this. <laughs> like he's in such a playful mood. Yes. And she's just like, what the hell does it have to do anything with me? And because he's just showing her this case that LA has and they found the body at the airport and it's all over the place and basically it became their jurisdiction I guess he's what he was saying he goes oh they bumped it up to FBI I guess Mm -hmm. and um, Bones is like fighting I'm like I'm not going to LA 
blah, blah, blah. So we see them in Dr. Goodman's office. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't know why I have to come in. Why do I have to go? What is the point? Blah, blah, blah. And Ruth is like, <laughs> well, you know, be great for the press. Great recognition for just Jeffersonian. This is a this is pretty, like, high case. It's all sexy. Like, mm-hmm. And then and appeals he, to Dr. You know, Goodman. For sure. Dr. Goodman is like, oh, oh for, for the Jeffersonian, you say. Mm-hmm. So then Bones is pretty much outvoted. And now they go to L.A. Yes. And they're in a, was it a convertible? Yes. I love when Booth is super jazzed about a case and, like, has to begrudge, like, Bones begrudgingly is, like, dragged along. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just such a cute uh, dynamic of their budding friendship. They just you start know? bickering and it's and, so cute. Yeah. I mean, Little happens, threats now and then. It happens less in later seasons, obviously, because they're, they're you know, they're, their More bond is solid. Yeah. Yeah, but um, they still have like little threats right now where it's like Booth is like, come on, look, mm-hmm. I got rent to this vehicle, blah blah blah, and Bones basically is saying how she wants to drive it. Yes, she's I like, like that. I wouldn't hesitate telling your boss, like, oh, you know, you rented this vehicle. Yeah, I think what <laughs> happened was he wrote that he on the paperwork that he rented uh, an SUV, mm-hmm. but in reality. He rented the the Mustang. Dude, that green screen, though. <laughs> hey, it wasn't... I've seen a lot worse. I know, but it was still funny. I was like, ah. Yeah. I would say it's... it's. I've definitely seen worse green screen. And now that I'm watching Angel and Buffy, I was just like, oh, convertible? Angel had a convertible. I know. Boo has a convertible. I'm so happy you're watching it now. <laughs> I'm being driven nuts, guys. I know I'm she's she's just gotten to a pivotal point and she's very heartbroken. I will literally punt something right now, <laughs> and uh, I and I just watch the chaos. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, there's a comment Booth says. He says Rain Man, and I'm yeah. like, what does that mean? It's a movie. Oh, um, what's it about? Do you have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen clips of it, but I haven't seen the full thing. Okay. But it's a very popular movie. I'll it's pull it up and I'll movie. and I'll read you the description okay. of what it's about. How old is it? Like, how long ago, do you think? Was it, like, Let old, like, black and white? No, no, definitely not. Definitely okay. not. It's like, it's like Tom Cruise. Oh, okay. Tom Cruise, Dustin Hoffman, 80s? Oh, 1988. Okay, all right. Okay. So late eighties. Yes, I will give you the description, and for the for the younger generation that may not be aware of it as well. <laughs> okay. Okay. So when car dealer Charlie Babbitt, Tom mm-hmm. Cruise, learns that his estranged father died, mm-hmm. he returns home to Cincinnati, where he discovers that he has an autistic older brother named Raymond, Dustin Hoffman, mm-hmm. and that his father's three million for three million dollar fortune is being left to the mental institution in which Raymond lives. Motivated, wow. <laughs> Motivated by his father's money, Charlie checks Raymond out of the facility in order to return with him to Los Angeles. The brothers' cross-country trip ends up changing both of their lives. Interesting. It's a it's a classic. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. You just added to the list of things I need to watch. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. Yeah. So. Then eventually Booth lets Bones drive, and it's a whole different vibe. Because yeah, now Booth funny. is all like, Aww. and mm-hmm. Bones is like, "Yeah, I'm happy now." Yep, Bones <laughs> is like, "I'm I'm driving the Stang." Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. 
Um, and then we flip back at the lab, mm-hmm. and so now it's going to be Hodgins, Doctor Goodman, and Zach, and Zach looking at the remains. And so uh, they the begin one that's re- fifteen hundred years old, guys. Yes. It's those remains. <laughs> so they begin to look over it, and Doctor Goodman and um, Hodgins are just gone. They go toe to toe in this one. They start bigger. Just a hint. And like shots are fire, bro. Hodgins <laughs> basically um, is already frustrated with Dr. Goodman because he believes that Dr. Goodman will refuse to authenticate the remains, meaning that the Jeffersonian would officially say these are this age remains from this era and culture or whatever. And he believes Dr. Goodman won't do it at the sake of potentially being wrong, which mm-hmm. could bring bad press and, and credibility yeah. to the museum. And as we saw before, Mr. Goodman is very much very big yes. on how press reviews the Jeffersonians. Right. Very big on image. Yeah. And they give another dig to Dr. Goodman where Dr. Goodman says, like, I'm an archaeologist, and Hodgins is like, with all due respect, you used, used to, to be, be an archaeologist. I was like, yikes! I'm shots like, fired. <laughs> and you know, they kind of he kind of gives this attitude, like Doctor Goodman. They they try to give Doctor Goodman this bureaucratic, you know, edge yeah. and persona, but he just doesn't fit it. He's just too lovable. He is. Where they're trying to show him to be, oh anything for the sake of the <laughs> reputation of the museum and it's more said than shown like if you see how he acts and the decisions he makes it doesn't show that it shows him more as like a caring compassionate boss yeah. it's only that we get that from people saying it that's really it which is kind of funny you mm-hmm. learn his personality by just listening to the dialogue and Hodgins is a little butt for creating problems and being condescending. To He's his literally boss. just trying to call him out because he just also feels like, you know, it's a waste of time right now. Like, come on. Right. But, but we, you know. we know it's Hodgins having his anger issues. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know. For sure. So then now we're back in LA mm-hmm. with Bones and Booth, and they meet Agent Finn on the beach, and she drives me crazy. <laughs> We also find out she's an aspiring screenwriter, so obviously Booth will not be happy with that. Yeah. Which he definitely shows later. And they find out the body is found in parts, and Agent Finn is like, was it dismembered? Was it Mm -hmm. chopped up? Kind of hoping for the more theatrical series of events. And Bones was like, no, it was pulled apart by animals. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they're like, yikes, you know. And then they find out it's by coyotes, and they're like, coyotes in California? And they're like, Agent Finn's like, yes, there are coyotes Yes, in California. And I was like, oh, alrighty then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you're introduced to Agent Finn, like, they characterize her, like, as ambitious and hoping for this case to be as fantastical as, like, one of Bones' books. Yeah. And we learn, like, obviously of her ambitions to... Be a screenwriter. hmm But and... it's like, she is... She don't know when she needs yeah. to stay focused on the work. Yeah. And like we also s- said, there's a stereotype kind of... A lot of stereotypes perpetuated in this episode about, Hollywood, you know, everyone California. in L.A. wanting to be famous, yeah. which from what I hear from people who live in L.A., it's true. <laughs> yeah. But she embodies kind of that 
that negative stereotype yeah in this episode <laughs> you know which doesn't make her a fan favorite you know <clears throat> nope like for instance when we're in the medical examiner's room and bones is looking at the body mm-hmm. she's looking at the skull and literally she keeps talking like the agent fin keeps talking over and over again as bones is trying to work yeah. and it wasn't until bones starts like pulling like this film off of the skull and she's like oh oh no disgusting mm-hmm. and it's like yes honey bones <laughs> is working let the forensic anthropologist work they she's not of... just gonna talk about her book and movies honey <laughs> they what kind of flip-flop her <laughs> like in some parts of this episode she is oblivious and yeah like hungry for you know more entertainment and the dirt <laughs> but then sometimes she actually does like try to be involved in interviews in the investigation and she gets shut out yeah it's so, so i'm kind of like i'm not a fan of her but I, sometimes i feel like they're a bit unfair with her i honestly just don't care for her to be honest you're so savage it'd be like that sometimes <laughs> it's just not a i don't really care for that character i feel like she could have just i don't know she could be better yeah true, true but true. i guess that's it was meant to be that way, so I guess they did its job. <laughs> she did her job, and I guess it worked. Yeah. So. On the um, in the medical room, mm-hmm. Bones gets on video chat with Angela and Zach to show them, you know, her findings of the body. Yeah. And she informs Angela that she, you know, she's having a hard time rendering the face. Yeah. Um, they also find a breast implant, meaning that they could possibly identify her by the serial number that's on the breast implant. <laughs> the and- boots grin when he heard that, like when he heard, like, "Oh, there's an implant," and mm-hmm. you just kind of see that smirk. Like, I'm like, "All right, Booth." <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and then uh, she warns Angela that Hodgins is going to be irritated by Dr. Goodman's process and theorizing and like positing queries in review of the remains. Oh, yeah. Definitely going to drive him crazy. I. <laughs> what drives me crazy, uh. what irritates me about this scene is Bones. <laughs> how she's not telling yes. Angela what's wrong like, with the skull. How hard. Like, she's like, okay. Angela won't be able to get too much information from the skull. And Angela's like, why? And Bones is like, you'll know when you see it. Like, come on, Bones. How hard is it for you to just say, the chick had a lot of work done, and it'll be hard to find her natural face markers. But she just keeps saying, oh, you know, just wait for it. You'll know when you see it. You'll see it. When it gets there, you'll know. You'll know when you know. They have another (laughs) scene where they have, like, really great communication, in my opinion. But this scene, I'm just like... If I was Angela, I'd be so irritated. <laughs> well, she did, because she was, she did ask again. Yeah. But then also, the thing that Angela said is where she was like, I think Angela said it, where it's like, um, ow. They've never heard of, like, um, no, I actually never heard of this, but she was saying on how it's a contest to see how many celebrities you can spot in LA. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, I guess? I don't, I don't, maybe I've, I don't pay attention enough. I've I just, never, I don't I've remember seen... seeing celebrities. I've never seen a celebrity in L.A. I don't think I have either. But then again, I'm, I haven't been there much. I don't think I pay attention whenever we go. No. <laughs> so I don't know. We're too no. busy focused on other things. But <laughs> if that's a game, well, I'm definitely losing. Something else that I find weird. So, like, Bones is warning about Dr. Goodman's process. Yeah. But... His process, to me, isn't that different than, like, Booth's process. Exactly. Like, they both make educated guesses or assumptions by positing scenarios, 
you know? Yeah. So I'm just like, so why what do makes you get it so irritated with booths? I feel like it's also because it's like they they kind of look down on Dr. Goodman for trying to do be like the archaeologist mm-hmm. in this position because they're like, oh, you're supposed to be big man. You're not you're the boss man in here. You're not you're rusty on being you're an archaeologist. You're not one of us. And it's like Booth, obviously they didn't like how his process was before. Mm-hmm. They eventually got used to it, especially after how many times Booth proved himself. But even so, later on in the show, they get irritated. Oh, um, for Bones sure. Bones gets irritated with Booth. For sure. But it's like, for the most part, they have it pretty much, um, you know, that's how, that's just how Booth is. But with Dr. Goodman, it's like a whole different situation. Like, you know, he he just brings up these theories and they, Hodgins is like, shots fired. Right. Like, but bro. I mean, but I mean, in particular, <laughs> Don't Bones. Don't do it like that. <laughs> I mean, in particular, Bones, like, she seems to be very understanding, matter of fact, about Dr. Goodman's process. And she mm-hmm. doesn't seem to, like, have an issue with it. Dr. Goodman or Boots? Dr. Goodman's. Well, because I was like, she's not there when this is happening. No, but when she, but she knows of Dr. Goodman's process because she is informing yeah. Angela about like, it. Like, hey, be careful. Yeah. Like, Hodgins so, is not going to be cool with it. Right. And so the way she explains it is more of a way of, like, she understands Dr. Goodman's process and respects it. I figure that's a big reason as to why it's like she's okay with it as well. It's not only because, obviously, Dr. Goodman's her boss and she respects him, but I think it's also she's really used to it around Booth. Like, I mean, she's the one who gets the earful, too. No, but, I mean, she knows Dr. Goodman before she knew Booth. No, yeah, of course. And she's but I mean, like, they get, they're, like, Booth. on the same page when it comes to it. You know what I mean? Like how, oh, you know how they get pissed off more at Booth before Bones does type of thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, sometimes it's like, oh... They're like, boot doesn't make sense. Or even sometimes vice versa. I guess my main thing is she sounds like she respects Dr. Goodman's process. Oh, for sure. But she doesn't really, a lot of the times, respect Booth's. Like, she sees it as hinky, kind of, like, you're you trusting your gut, which isn't scientific. Mm-hmm. But she seems to respect Dr. Goodman's, which isn't that different. I always felt like it was more, maybe it's because Dr. Goodman went to school to being an archaeologist, and archaeologist is all about studying behavior yeah. and how people live. So for her, that makes more sense as okay. to why he draws his conclusions, because he has more, you know, school, more knowledge, did more studying, more background. Booth is just someone who's just been in the field a lot and just kind of goes based off, like, you know, how mm-hmm. regular humans It's the interact. fact that it's his experience and yes. not his research. Yes. Okay. That's how I feel as to why. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But that's why I feel like it was a little, at first she wasn't okay with it, but over time I felt like it was very easy for her compared to like other times when everyone says stuff because one, she trusts Booth later, like how she trusts Dr. Goodman. Yes. But at the same time, it's like she's getting the earful and it's mm-hmm. very similar to Dr. But Goodman's. it takes longer for her to respect Booth's process because he's not as quote unquote educated. Yeah. But as she Dr. still Goodman. trusts him. Like they could still right. show like she still trusts him a lot of yes. the times. But it's not until like later episodes, like really major cases where she's like, okay, Booth, mm-hmm. you are literally not in the spot here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? True, but th- I think that's a really good explanation. That's just my theory. Um, it's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. Also, like, okay, this is this is random, mm-hmm. but where the heck is the camera that Bones is talking into? 
Like, know. in this whole episode. I don't know, dude. They're talking to screens, but I'm like, where's the camera? There's a scene later where you see, like, here's Zach on one. There's the two screens, and yeah. you have Zach on one, and then Hodgins pushes him. Mm-hmm. So then now they're both on each screen. I'm like, yeah. what the heck? What Those, kind of movie magic is this? The scene when they're on the elongated screens, it reminds me of the movie A Year Without a Santa Claus. Did you ever see that <laughs> no. one? It's with, like, Heat Miser and Snow Miser. No. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay, dude, we're gonna have to watch that. It's it's Just a great add movie. Add it to the list. It's a great Christmas movie. So, anyways, um, I'm not gonna explain the premise because it's a little complicated. Well, okay. it's not that complicated. Basically, people stop believing in Santa. Oh, right. and like the Christmas spirit is down, and so Santa decides to take Christmas off. It's mm-hmm. one of those like stop motion animations. Oh, okay. Like I think it was in the 60s or in the 70s. I like stop motion animation. Yes, it's very it's very good and there are these supernatural characters that control the weather and it's <laughs> heat miser and snow miser and okay. they have these musical numbers that are iconic. Stop motion with musical never numbers. Okay. okay. You I need to educate you on this. So <laughs> so they have these musical numbers and they talk to each other. Okay. Um, the the main characters that are on the journey, they talk and visit each of them. Mm-hmm. And they have a conversation between each of them on a video chat where it's like a very similar long screen mm-hmm. that just gives me the vibes. If I show you the movie, maybe I'm making a stretch of a connection, but it's just what reminded of me of the thing. Um, It'd be yeah. like that sometimes. The, Maybe the when I see it, catchy. I'll actually under know what the hell you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the music is catchy. It's great. I'll have to show you. Well, that's good. At least the music music's good. So yeah, but yeah, so it's iconic. <laughs> so back to bones. When we were talking about Doctor Goodman, like literally, we see an example of how they don't respect him. Like, because mm. we're back at the lab, Doctor Goodman is looking at the remains of Zach and Hodgins. Yes, and you know he starts saying like, "Oh, this man was a proud and revered man in his society. He was buried by family." You know. Mm-hmm. And Hodgins is just like, what the hell, (laughs) Dr. Goodman? Like, no. So that's literally an example of what we mean. They just do not trust Dr. Goodman's, like... There's a there's a trend in Bones episodes that whenever there is a moral lesson to be learned, they need someone to be the bigot in the situation. Oh, for sure. And usually the bigot that they choose is Hodgins. Yes, so, always. Whether and it's, it's hilarious. Whether it's a lesson on how to treat people who've been convicted of crimes, whether it's a message on religious tolerance yeah. or anything, Hodgins is the bigot that you see a change <laughs> of understanding through. Yeah. Like, he starts off in the episode as a bigot, and then they educate him, and he's got a new skill. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in this one, you know, yeah, you see that he is totally intolerant of Dr. Goodman. Yeah. And uh, doesn't like Dr. Goodman making up stories. But in reality, he's just making inferences based on the evidence that's provided. He's making his educated guesses. Right. So like, for based example, on his studies. For example, he sees that he was buried with 
belongings jewelry. and jewelry and things like that. So from the context clues, he's making an assumption that he was buried by friends and family. He was well-loved. That he respected. was well-loved. You know, he's kind of more like being like a Sherlock Holmes here. Yeah. Because it's kind of the same process, you know, like in in any version of Sherlock Holmes, he'll be like, oh, I figured that you were at a construction site because I saw plaster dust at the tip of your shoe. Yeah. And I knew that you were married because I saw a tan line on your finger, <laughs> you know, so things yeah. like that. So I don't feel like... His process is all that crazy. Maybe it's how he's phrasing it. They're treating it as if, like, because he's their boss and he's not really an archaeologist anymore, that he's just out of practice. So they're like, yeah. huh, you don't know what you're talking about, old man. That's basically the vibes I am just yeah. getting from him. But again, I'm I'm on Dr. Goodman's side for the most part. Like, um, I get, like, it's like we support Dr. Goodman, but we get where Hodgins is coming from at We the same time. support... All of the characters of this show. We We do. support them. We are advocating for all of them. <laughs> Except for Agent Finn. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she digs herself one. Um, she really does. So I'm assuming this is on the rooftop I of I think it hotel. was. Because they never explicitly say, but I'm pretty sure. It looks like a rooftop. Right. I want to say it is. We're going to say it's a rooftop. Mm -hmm. Everyone's um, just lounging. <laughs> Bones, Finn, and Booth, they learn that the implants um, were stolen. Mm -hmm. And therefore, finding the victim's identity from them are um, moot. And yeah. <laughs> Booth pushes to want to see the plastic surgeon from where the implants were stolen, as it's their only lead. Yeah. And Finn kind of tries to find out more about the screenplay from <laughs> from Bones. Um, and I forgot also to mention that um, Bones is in town to meet with a producer on her book. If she has time, is if what she, has she time. says. Yeah. But man, that scene, I was just like, they really be making Hollywood look like a bunch of airheads. <laughs> they do. And they're, they're well, I can't. I, we can't speak for them. But I mean, they have a lot of highly prolific cases that yeah. have been solved. There's so. a lot of stereotypes, though, about California people <laughs> in general. So, I mean, I could see why. Hollywood, they gave them to look like a bunch of airheads. Yeah. That is a stereotype. Yeah. May or may not be true, but yes, that is definitely one of them. Yeah, they make Agent Finn look like she has no investigative instincts. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, you when know. I was watching, I completely forgot she was supposed to be an agent. I was like, who the hell is she again? Which, to me, <laughs> is so weird for someone who wants to write screenplays for crime fiction, but can only think of wanting gory, outlandish details, but can't think of, you know, a way to investigate something. Like, for example, me and you, yeah. we are not FBI agents, <laughs> no. right? But we will look at a scenario or hear about a crime story, and we'll be inquisitive, and we'll think, oh, well, why didn't they talk to this person, or why didn't they do right. this? So it's just weird to me how they don't give her any of that ambition, even though she wants to be a writer. Yeah. You know? So it's it just, just weird. makes it look like, oh, yeah, why'd you choose this career field in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> it's it's a little weird. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. All I thought of what was weird is um, with Zach, with the whole, when Angela's trying to explain the whole 
lay him out on the table. Oh, yeah. Zach is so cute. So Angela is, like, trying to work on the victim's skull. Well, no, she's given the victim's skull. And, and she now she's trying to work it. on him, though. And she's like, ooh, now I understand. Yeah, like, it's just, there's so much work to be done. Like, I don't know what I'm going to yeah. do. And Zach's kind of asking Angela for insight on the whole Hodgins and Goodman situation. Because he's like, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and is, this is the part where she's like, they should just lay him out on the table and measure. And he's like, measure what? What do you mean? And I'm like, look, they're making Zach so oblivious. It's so cute, dude. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. And he's also very s- sweet to me in this episode, like very naive. And, and they really make him seem like a younger guy is when um, he's looking at the face and they're saying they're going to have no idea what she looks like. And Zach is like, well, she must have been beautiful, you know, because who would go through that that amount of surgery and not end up beautiful? Yes. And you I was know? like, that was actually a very cute part. I was like, oh, yes, Zach. That's a very good explanation. Like, he's so sweet. Oh, for sure. And that's a cute, very cute point. And he's kind of out. he's kind of like like a toddler. He's like a sponge and <laughs> absorb what Angela says here and then yeah. uses it later on in the episode. <laughs> Which we will bring up when we get there. You know. But he definitely does use it again. We're just like, oh, Zach. You know. And, I, you know, it really does say a lot, too, because he's like, who would go through that amount of pain Yes, just to be beautiful? And I that's so sad to me. I thought about that, too. I was like, dude, like... Imagine how much, like, what are you doing for a living to where you have enough money to go keep doing that, fix yourself, you're going to be swollen and in pain. Well, we know you're exactly, heal, we know exactly do what she's doing for a living. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? But I'm talking about, like, in general, everyone right. else, like, other people, like, what are, yeah, what are other people expensive. doing? Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, like, that's a lot of money. You keep fixing yourself. That's insane. Right. And there's a lot to be said around this episode. Kind of in the next scene, we we touch on a lot of people, like, the morals around getting plastic surgery. So yeah. they meet with the doctor who was the connected implant. to the supply of those implants, the surgeon, and uh, it's Dr. Kostov. Yeah. And they, they make... Um, <laughs> They make Agent Finn sit out in the lobby. Dude, when they're in the lobby, I just love how Bones is just, like, talking shit. She's just running her mouth while they're waiting for the doctor. Everyone is literally giving her looks. And Booth is like, can you be any louder? Like, say it louder. I don't think I can hear you. Right. Um, And they go in and talk to Dr. Custov. Mm -hmm. And he explains that they found... You know, one the one of the implants is from a stolen batch taken out of a call girl. Yeah, in they the said valley. like Heidi, and then they said it's a call girl. I'm like, how does Heidi equal call girl? I I don't know. I'm not familiar with that slang. Neither am I? I was like, okay, I did not yeah. know that's a thing. <laughs> and then he also like makes some uninvited remarks towards Bones about getting plastic surgery. She, he's Booth is like, you touch her, she'll break your arm. Right. And I'm not a plastic <laughs> surgery expert, but from the shows that I've seen or videos, it seems highly unprofessional for a plastic surgeon to make unsolicited remarks right. about what kind of surgery someone should get when they're not even a patient or not even there for a consultation. Right. You know? That's, yeah. But, I can um, see that. 
I watch I watch a lot of botched. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, you do. Um, so uh, just watching this episode makes me think of botched. But what are <laughs> what are your views on plastic surgery? Uh, I mean, I understand why sometimes people do it. I am okay, you know. People do it. I, you know, they're taking that risk. I know people aren't always happy with things about themselves. It sucks, and, you know, I believe you should all love yourselves, but mm-hmm. if you do have to do it for your own sense of peace, so be it, but you should know the precautions, like, you know, do your research, mm-hmm. know the risks, are you willing to take those risks, things can go wrong, mm-hmm. healing isn't work for everybody, you know, so, in my opinion, you know, if you think you got the guts for it and you want to do it, just be safe about it. Try mm-hmm. not to put your health in the way. Right. Would I do it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because uh, you don't like the knives or the needles, I really hate needles, guys. <laughs> I hate needles so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But what about you? What was your thoughts on well, plastic surgery? I mean, obviously, for reconstructive purposes, like if someone has a deviated septum, or if someone was attacked by a dog, fell on their face, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's no question about that. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not in question. For sure. So, obviously, for people who need them for medical necessity, for absolute deformities, attacks, no question, I'm okay with that. For sure, I agree. Um, I think... For cosmetic reasons, though. For cosmetic reasons, I think it depends. I think, unfortunately, as a society, um, physical features and trends come in and out of style so quickly Mm -hmm. that I think it's really dangerous when people are like a lot of the time you'll see people bring in a picture like oh i want to look like this celebrity yeah to me i feel like that's dangerous i mean inspired by is fine but i think with a lot of people it depends on their motivations i could see that like for example the character in this episode she was clearly addicted to plastic surgery Yes. One procedure wasn't enough. Again and again and again, trying to make herself perfect. And I think that's really dangerous. Which I find very crazy. It's like you really would put yourself in pain, put a lot of money, go through the healing process again, just to see whether or not it works out for you. And then even beyond like that, like even breast augmentation, Mm -hmm. like there's so many complications that come along with that. So many risks. That's why a lot of women usually take out their uh, implants implants. later on. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends. I feel like people should be given like a free therapy session before they go in for cosmetic (laughs) plastic surgery, just to make sure that they understand like... I don't know, because I also see it as how people, when people get tattoos, obviously plastic surgery is way more intense, Mm -hmm. but I still see it in the sense of how tattoos can be viewed, because it is also permanent. Right. I think it just depends on the plastic surgery. I think that if you're doing it because it's like, okay, this is something that I feel like I'm just going to be more myself, I'm going to be happy with it, but if people feel like, like they're their self-worth is dependent on it you know like Mm -hmm. they feel less than because of it rather than it's just like dying if they look at it like dying your hair Mm -hmm. i guess where it's like i'm still me i'm still worthy if my hair is this color but i think i would look beautiful this color it just feels like more me i will it's just crazier because the show is showing more of like the extreme of no matter what nothing's good enough like, you're always, you still think you're ugly the moment you go in front of a mirror, right. so you keep going. 
So, so you're, it's like a drug. It's yeah. a dick. You're addicted to it. So, so I'm very much on message with this episode for people who are addicted to plastic surgery, mm-hmm. but I don't think this hypothesis kind of equates all around because I don't know. It's tough. Personally, I think a lot like Bones does where I feel like people should enjoy their uniqueness and everybody who's made unless obviously there's a medical necessity. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that um, I think that everybody is inclined to do what they want with their body. But personally, I don't think anybody should. I don't really think people should, but I know if they want to, I just say try to be safe, Mm -hmm. know the risks, and be prepared. I'm the same way. Because your body can backfire very quickly, very Mm -hmm. easily. Absolutely. And I feel like the dangerous thing nowadays is making it seem like, oh, it's nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, like these are major surgeries. Breast augmentation is a major surgery, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to treat the surgeries with the respect that they should, that they are dangerous. Like, if you watch Botched, <laughs> you get that a lot where you're just like, okay, like, this is a big deal. Like, you can get screwed up and yeah. it's not as regulated as it should be. It's scary. It's dangerous. You have dentists putting breast implants in people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I feel like it's just, it's a scary thing. It's a scary field. But if in. it works out for you, I'm happy for you. And just hope you're happy with yourself. Yes. Because, you know, if you're not happy with yourself, then it's a shame. Yeah. And that's why I think the free therapy session, just so that you understand, (laughs) like, hey, just because you get a nose job, it may not solve all of your problems. I don't always think, because you could also think people could see, like, oh, uh, you're making me get the free therapy. Like, they could also find it insulting. I think, I don't know. Like, it could be necessary in general, but people could definitely find it insulting well i think it would be a helpful screening for people who are addicted to plastic surgery if you made it more of a standard i think it's less insulting yeah you know but But i I think think it's bringing it on at first it will definitely come off as insulting but if it becomes more of a norm then yeah that's different yeah i think if they made it as a norm i think it'd be helpful but you know what um i'm not a doctor (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know what did get me about that scene? Hmm. When he, Booth is like, don't look at me. I like my face the way it is. I'm like, same, baby, same. We love your face. Keep it that way. way. (laughs) (laughs) And same thing with Bones. Like, she's, she is like, she has such a unique face. Yes. Like, I think, um. delicate. But it's strong. I thought of that actually, too, on how um, when she was getting emotional later, she talks about like how all these different women are unique and how she, you know, they shouldn't change because of how unique they are, you know, all the type of stuff. And I was like, I instantly thought the same thing on how Emily Deschanel has just such a unique face compared to what other leading women usually had during the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it was just so refreshing. To yeah. see her face, you don't. It's not very common. Her acting, mm-hmm. her voice, it's just so yeah. unique to me. On an, on another note, I saw the the uh, this TikTok where they were talking about the same nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like on Instagram, you see everyone has the same looking nose. Yeah, because obviously that's the, what's popular. 
and the tiktoker was like i want to see let's normalize unique noses and she was showing all of these different noses like obviously um that's an interesting you know, tiktok like, you watch like hooked noses or um wider noses thinner noses and i was just like yeah like it's so crazy how these little details on her face mm -hmm. separate you and make you look different from millions of people you and made I think me think that's so of cool. um this one's totally random, but I just saw this the other day. I was on, scrolling on Facebook, and someone had re had shared a post. This guy, he looks like someone who would be, like, part of Jersey Shore. That's okay. the first thought I thought of when I saw him. <laughs> and then um, I guess he decided to chop his nose and I think take out, like, his upper lip or something. And he um, basically got a bunch of piercings and the ones that, like, you know, go in your skin type of thing. Like, the balls that go in your skin. And he tattooed his whole body so he could look like an alien. Okay, then. Yeah. If I find the picture, I'll show you. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He made himself look like an alien. So, like, his nose, like, the tip of his nose is gone. Like, he oh. chopped it off. Like, they, he had it surgically chopped it off, I think. Because he's gone. Ooh. He's not there. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. it gives me anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Wait, and this guy reminded you of Jersey Shore? The way how he originally looked. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Before he became an alien, you neck. <laughs> oh, my God. That makes sense. It was like the guy originally looked okay. like some guy who looked okay. like he came straight from Jersey Shore. And that's crazy. And now he'd be looking like he wants to be an alien is I think what they said. He wanted to look like an alien. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And he's fit. That's what I mean. Bodybuilder. So. Yeah. Well, kind of along the same light with carrying the same energy regarding feelings on plastic surgery. <laughs> Angela uh, is in as at the hotel and she's talking to. I mean, well, Bones, Bones is, is at like, the hotel and she's yeah. talking to Angela about the reconstruction and Angela tells her that it just isn't possible for her to make an accurate reconstruction. Yeah. And Bones is frustrated and heartbroken, you know, that someone would be so insecure to essentially erase themselves. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and that's I, something that I hadn't thought about um, when it comes to plastic surgery that... Um, that something like this could happen. I mean, in this day and age, we have so many other things that we can identify people with. Right. But if all that's left of you is your bones and you've changed that, that is kind of a scary thought. I do also think of, like, people who do sex changes and also, mm -hmm. like, completely, like, gender changes and stuff. Oh, yeah, because so sometimes those. they'll, like, a, like, if it's a male transitioning into a female, yes, Or vice get, versa, female she, transitioning She to will a male. have her Adam's apple shaved down mm -hmm. and her, you know, facial feminization surgery is what oh, it's Oh, you do called. also, uh, female transitioning to a male, you do mm -hmm. get, like, the boobs are taken away right. or, and you're getting testosterone. It's a very tricky like subject. Yes. Because on one hand, it's like, okay... Um, as a society, it's like, be body positive, love yourself the way you are, mm -hmm. everything about you is unique and beautiful. But then on the other hand, you have these people who fundamentally feel like they aren't in their own skin. Yes, to where they really want to change it. Yeah, so it's very it's tricky. It's very interesting. 
And because that's like it's so yeah. interesting. You get the whole love yourself, I love me for me, but then you also have the aspect of, but this is not who I am. Mm-hmm. I was born in the wrong skin. So like it's I very fascinating to me. Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like to literally wake up in the morning and, and feel like you're look not in the mirror and feel you. like this isn't my body. You like, know, that's crazy. That's like scary. I already know there's already people dealing with you know, your mental health when it comes to weight yeah, already. Mm-hmm. So imagining weight and maybe you are, you feel oh, like, like you're not in you the right. combo. Yes. Yeah, that suck. And then also like in general, you have the ones who have their mindset where they always think they're overweight or the ones who think they're always too skinny. Mm-hmm. It's just like, there's so many things mentally. It's yeah. I like, dealt with that in my life where it was like, I would, was probably, a normal healthy weight and I'd look in the mirror and I felt like I was probably 50 pounds heavier than I was mm-hmm. and I look back at those photos and I'm like what was I thinking right but fundamentally I'd look in the mirror and I was like it's just not what I remember seeing so it's a real I can understand thing. that for kind of any kind of plastic surgery where you know you just want to feel comfortable in your body Basically, guys, our message is we all need therapy because we're all <laughs> mentally messed up. We all need therapy and we need to make decisions about our body that are ultimately going to be for the betterment of us. Yes. Whether that's getting something done or not getting something done. CCC. Crazy. Wait. But also, I really um, like this scene I because do to me, it's a lot about communication between friends Mm -hmm. and i feel like it's a really good example of it you know i agree because i love how like you could see that bones has a lot of faith in angela Mm -hmm. to basically tell her to guesstimate measurements and i was like because even angela's like you want me to guess Mm -hmm. and then i was like look how much faith bones has in her like that power of that friendship man I also liked how, even though Bones was being harsh with Angela, mm-hmm. Angela wasn't like it easily could have gone wrong. Where oh, Angela's for sure. like, where Bones is like, just guess, Angela, and Angela could could receive that energy an and give it back to Bones and be like, well, blah 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 blah, and be give give like return that same energy but instead she un she tries to look at bones and sees the underlying motivations yeah she looks at her and she's like okay i see why you're acting this way but i'm gonna be stern with you and i'm gonna explain to you that i can't give you like what you're asking for thing. like it may not help the case as much as you think it will mm-hmm. and she's like clearly yeah. something is going on and because she reacts this way bones is able to open up about why she's acting the way she is that yeah. it's not that she's frustrated with angela it's she's frustrated with this situation and i just yeah. thought it was a really good example of communication Except for in the beginning where she could have just told her, yeah, the skull's messed up. (laughs) The skull has a lot of plastic surgery done to it. But no, she said, you'll see when you get there. You'll know when you see (laughs) Right. How are you going to give us that communication and then here you give us this communication? Well, I think the key is, is that Bones wasn't being a good communicator in either scenarios. True. It was Angela who who was who was being observant to her friend's emotions and was able to redirect 
that frustration and turn it into a moment where Bones is able to express herself. This is like another example of why we love Angela and Bones' life. Mm-hmm. There are times I do not like the things Angela does for Bones, but yeah. this is one of them I do like. From rewatching it, I, I ha- like I said, I have a lot of issues with Angela later on. Oh, but for these sure. first so many episodes, I'm really impressed with her communication style and how she's able to actually be a really good friend of Bones. Because I think on the surface, sometimes you're just kind of like, I don't really understand why these two people are friends. Right. But you for see sure. that. Angela really understands Bones and knows how to talk to her. I really like it. You know? Like, I really feel the friendship, which is wonderful to me. Yeah, but, I think they, they give that mm-hmm. across really well. I'm stuttering too much. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's from our drinks. <laughs> yeah, we made strawberry daiquiris tonight. <laughs> we didn't put too much alcohol. No, I didn't put... In fact, I put less than the recipe asked for. You know why we're stuttering? Because we were just watching Buffy, and we just can't get our thoughts together. No, we just watched Angel episode, season one, episode eight, and Buffy season four, episode nine. nine. So I, so Panda, <laughs> if you remember from the introduction episode, I had not watched Angel or Buffy, and Pig had told all of us all of us how basically this was where her love started with david boreanaz Mm -hmm. and i was like you know what you know what let me give it let me give it a shot so (laughs) i put on buffy we've claimed another one (laughs) i put on buffy and i fell in deep y'all i was not expecting because the first few episodes i'm like Mm-hmm. Interesting. Inter- and of course, like this was filmed in 97. So I was like, oh, you know, this is cute. A little cliche. But I was really into like, I really love how Sarah Michelle Geller like acted as Buffy. I love mm-hmm. it so much. And David Boreanaz is so little. You know, he's baby. so small. He's so but small. he's still technically like late 20s when he's Angel. Get so him. I was like, oh my God, he's still so hot. <laughs> <laughs> so it was so strange. Yeah. And I just fell deep, y'all. Mm-hmm. Like that love, this yeah. love, I'm not ready for what's happening, okay? Yeah. I just want to stay in Angel Season 1, Episode 8 episode, and I'm going to stay there. And I'm just going to replay up to a certain <laughs> point. I don't want to know what happens next. Yeah. I need if you some know, great you know. fanfics starting from Episode yes. 8. If you know, <laughs> if you know of any fanfictions that were written that continue that specific storyline from Season 1 of Angel, Episode 8, yes. and give us a happy ending. For Buffy and Angel. Let mm-hmm. me have and, it. And Panda is not a reader. I'm not. So make sure it's well written, too. Yes. When I read, it's very specific. Mm-hmm. I'm very I'm very picky. Same thing with shows I watch. I will, I'm very picky. I always watch the same things. I always read the same things. Mm-hmm. So it's a very big problem. But if you got something for me to read, and it's... It's phenomenal. Your girl will be there for you. Send it her way because her heart is hurting. I need this. (laughs) Right now, Pig is waiting for me to watch episode nine of Angel. And I'm still recovering from episode nine of Buffy in season four. So I'm just like, (laughs) what is this? And yes, I am watching it in the proper way. Originally how it was aired. 
on season one of Angel and season four of Buffy, where mm-hmm. you're supposed to watch the Buffy then Angel, mm-hmm. Buffy then Angel, until a certain point, then it gets a little fuzzy. Yeah. But for now, I'm doing it the proper way. <laughs> and guys, I'm not ready. Okay, I'm not ready. Okay. Well, are you ready to tell us about the next scene? <sighs> I guess. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> back to bones. We are speaking with Mrs. Bardo from Aphrodite School. <laughs> I, don't, I can't deal with her. Okay. I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say the whole summary with an accent. No, I just. I, I, she's a very interesting individual to me. <laughs> But so they learned that the victim may be Rachel Lachance, mm-hmm. who hasn't checked in for over a week. And she, Mrs. Bardo confirms Rachel would get a lot of plastic surgery and was on a week long trip with Dr. Kustov, no less. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's like you could see like how Booth is kind of feeling Miss Bardo to where he can <laughs> get like the insights. Mm-hmm. And Bones is like, what the hell is happening? Right, she's not picking up what he's laying down. She's not. And because he mm-hmm. is um, an investigator. CCC. And wasn't like Agent Finn there too? And she was just not adding to it at all. No, no. I even was just like, why is Agent Finn here? Like, honey. Yeah. Honey. She's the liaison at the LA office. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And a. <laughs> Her name is Ivana Bardu, and I'm like, yep. why does this sound like an Austin Powers? Dude, I was thinking like <laughs> Austin character. Powers. <laughs> well, even earlier, we're just making the jokes like a lot, of- right? <laughs> right. Um, who also- does number two work for? <laughs> who does number two work for? <laughs> Classy. It's so good. It's Classic. so good. Classic. It's so good. <laughs> um, so Miss Purdue confirms that Rachel gets a lot of plastic surgery, which yes. clearly triggers Bones. And apparently even like Bones is like, you know, do you recognize these photos? Blah, blah. And she was even saying like, Miss Bardo even made this comment like, oh, which time? Mm-hmm. Which time? Which name? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God. Right. And Booth, the way he's acting here, obviously he is using a tactic and Bones is not understanding that. He's kind of making it seem like he'll be a client of Mrs. Bardo's ask for her business card. See. But obviously he's just information gathering um, building bridges so that way he can utilize it for his investigation later. Like, mm-hmm. Booth will um, do more instead of say. See. You know, he'll lay out the groundwork. He's always thinking a few steps ahead. He's a people person. Yeah, he's That's like... Why. I he like, feels the vibe. He's a... He's strategic. Yes. Yeah. I like Incredibly. that. Um, and then back to our... B plot where <laughs> Angela reconstructs the Iron Age warrior, and oh um, no, <laughs> the front of the rendering. Um, Doctor Goodman believes the body is a Pict, and the Picts. I looked it up. Were a group of Celtic speaking people. Celtic or Celtic? I think it's pronounced <laughs> something Celtic. Okay. Oh crap. <laughs> Um, well, either way, these are people. They lived. lived in. <laughs> they lived in today's Eastern 
um, or northern Scotland during during the late British Iron Age and uh, early medieval age. So basically means that they were found to be archaeological because technically they were found in D.C., right? Mm -hmm. So it's not. I think that's what they said. I couldn't remember because Zach was just so funny. Right. So basically, they're an archaeological anomaly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hodgins tries to tear down Dr. Goodman's theory once again. Literally just whatever he says. He's like, no, incorrect, wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Like, you're full of crap, Dr. Goodman, is mm-hmm. basically how the vibes I was getting from Hodgins. I'm like, bro. Yeah, like, he's clearly wrong for agitating Dr. Goodman and his theory here, but when he calls Angela baby, like, he's such a babe. Like, you're wrong for being immature, but, like, call me baby again, okay? (laughs) You know? We got some simping and swooning up Yeah, because he's like, um, because when Dr. Goodman kind of storms out, Angela's like, why would you do that? Like, are you trying to get fired? And he's like, <laughs> what is it? He says, science is no country for storytellers, baby. Yep. He's like, I Okay. <laughs> you gonna talk to us like that again? Okay. <laughs> okay. I need, I need therapy. Um, okay. We all do. <laughs> Remember, everyone needs mental therapy. <laughs> but you also see Dr. Goodman here is like clearly the adult, clearly more mature. Oh, for sure. Because instead of He's engaging. He's just taking it. Like instead of engaging, he walks away. Mm-hmm. But as a boss, he you know, he should have shut that just, down. Yeah. But he's just taking it. But I mean, later on, he says that he didn't because he saw Dr. Hodgins as a colleague in this yes. scenario rather than his subordinate. Which he respected because no one really talks to him Which like is that like, because he's the boss man. Dr. Goodman is such a solid dude. Like, he so is. We stand Dr. Goodman. We stand him and his voice. Mm-hmm. He could be literally, sometimes I have Morgan Freeman's voice in my head. <laughs> sometimes I got Matthew McConaughey reading things in my head. But I could, or I even have Mufasa. Mm-hmm. in my head but i could definitely take dr goodman in my yeah. head <laughs> and with hodgins like he may not agree with dr goodman but instead of trying to understand him he just goes to undermine and disrespect him yeah you know which is where hodgins needs to learn and grow yeah it just shows like again the whole age thing showing mm-hmm. how much immaturity we got in here exactly um so now we're back in la again and this is where i was talking about the two screens mm-hmm. where we see and this is where we see like zach comes in. he's like zach eddie <laughs> like he's so cute he's so precious and this is where i was talking about where hodgins comes and pushes him over and all of a sudden now zach's on the other screen hodgins is on one i'm like right? what where's the camera again how is bone speaking to them mm-hmm. i just don't get it i agree i don't get it but they find a fingernail mm-hmm. on the body and they determine that rachel had some illegal surgery done on her and also they were talking about the fingernail and they were talking about how it wasn't like a diamond or something. It was like a cubic zirconia. So they're saying like, you know, they bougie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they also see she was probably in a car accident when she was 13 mm-hmm. with damage to her leg. And then so they're in the process of this and eventually Booth decides he's going to hire an escort. He uses Bones' <laughs> cell phone and literally driving Bones like, what the heck? You're calling a prostitute with my cell phone? And you have Hodgins in the background just cheesing from right. the call for a prostitute. He's like, oh, the special. And Zach's like, what's a special? How What special is that? 
Something, some like on the forensic side that I find weird about this scene. What is it? Or just kind of how they go about this episode is the fingernail, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's crazy that they assume that it's her fingernail. Well, wouldn't they had checked it? But my thing is like, even if they assume that it's her fingernail, okay, cool. Usually you may, if there was some kind of struggle and she was murdered by like being stabbed she's gonna defend herself so you think they would at least look at the nail for maybe dna epithelial epithelial um that was my first thought i was like bro did y'all not check it how did you find out later bro and so you think you would check that at least for that and then through that you would find out that it's not her fingernail if you notice that after this episode they always check fingernails yes like always are checking them always checking under their fingernails like they correct themselves yeah that's true mm-hmm. yeah I thought, <laughs> that was, was I thought that was an interesting part because i'm like okay you just assume you're, you're like, not wrong though. you're not wrong bones why you assume me <laughs> the same you like where's the facts hello mm-hmm. 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 Exactly. so next scene <sighs> we got booth meeting yep. the escort her name is Leslie, Leslie, and she is Rachel's co-worker. She got that dress on where you see her bare back, and she says she knew Rachel as Candace, mm-hmm. and she says that Candace was seeing an actor named Nick. She also said that he was made when he found out she was an escort. What? What did you write there? <laughs> when oh, I, I guess I didn't finish the sentence. When she, I when was he, say, like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> when he found out that she was an escort, he busted the windows at her car. Yeah, I was like that. I'm like I know something happened with Nick, <laughs> but I'm drawing a blank because that's not a correct <laughs> sentence. I apologize. I have fallen short. It's okay. It's a, I forgive Yeah, you. I write out the summary of each scene, and um, that's I how we remember important things. Details. The only thing is, is we didn't proofread, so we were like, wait, what are we reading? It's been a tough week, okay? Hashtag mental health. Yes, I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread. We all are. <laughs> but um, Nick's toxic ass busted the windows at our car mm-hmm. when he found out that she was an escort. CCC. And then as they're talking, you know, Leslie's continuing to spill the beans. And then a security guard comes in and he's already guessing that she's an escort. And he Mm -hmm. tries to, like, you know, kick her out. And then Booth kind of gives some sass and like, oh, but this is my little sister. You know, I came from wherever place that she said they're from. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you better show some respect, basically. And he shows his FBI badge. on that. Right, and I felt bad for the security guard because I'm like, he didn't know. How would he have known you're an FBI agent, bro? You don't gotta cheat. But also, like, how did he know she was an escort? It's possible, but she comes often. Yeah. Maybe, like, you know, staff, sometimes they just are observant and security guard keeps Mm -hmm. on tabs on them. So she Um, was probably like, enough is enough. (laughs) Yeah, also, this bitch just tried to act surprised that... Even though she's the murderer trying to cast blame on the ex-boyfriend. Like, come on, son. Come on. (laughs) Right. Uh, This episode also covers so many controversial subjects. Yeah. You know, like when you think of sex work. um, I don't know. What do I think of with sex work? (laughs) (laughs) I said when you you think of sex work, when you think of plastic surgery. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just... 
it, it shines some lights topics. on them and you know? the stereotypes that they show in here right. and how what you, do you interpret what it. are your thoughts on on um uh like the, the market like the market of selling sex like prostitution Mm-hmm. All I have is Roxanne playing in my head. <laughs> That's all I think of. Like, like, what are your thoughts on that? Again, I have Roxanne. But no. <laughs> so, yeah, besides the fact that I have Roxanne playing in my head, because I figured out what that song meant and how you don't have to put on the red light. Okay, I found out red light meant that district there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not... Honestly, I don't really support it. I know people go to do that to make, you know, some money because they're suffering, struggling. You know, maybe you kind of fell into it. Um, you need to obtain the bag. You got to make ends meet. Do you meet. think it should be legal? Not necessarily, no. Why? I, I just, I don't know. It's a, I don't really, but then again, it's it feels like a gray area. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you are going to sell your body, I just, I don't know. It seems so gray to me. I might throw. I don't know too. I don't know too much about it. I just know it's a very strange concept to sell sex. But then again, there's porn. There's OnlyFans. So I might throw you for fan. a loop here, but I think it should be legal. I mean, it makes sense because one people do it so much that you might as well. Well, <laughs> I f- no, I feel for me it's more on the safety side. I feel like you could regulate it. You'll have contracts and a clear consent, and okay. with a lot of with a lot of sex work it's a lot like a lot of it is sex trafficking i guess i just always think of like oh there's pimps and i just i'm not cool with that well agreed so if you're that's probably why if it's legal you're not gonna have a pimp it'll probably be more like a corporate is your houses the corporate is your crimp uh, is your Mm. pimp no because that's how it would feel though because you still have someone that's like you know in charge of you well we'll look at it this way think about massages how so well, I don't, it's not that different other than you probably don't orgasm. Like you're touching, you're getting paid mm-hmm. to touch someone else's body mm-hmm. while they're naked for an hour. The only difference is you're not entering any orifices. And that's legal and restricted and they have laws and rules on that. So, I mean, your logic <laughs> But I mean, my thought process is, but isn't it with prostitution, they can touch the prostitute? Yeah. So you're telling me with the massage therapy section, they can touch the massage? No. I mean, my my thought process is, it's the if premise. someone's being touched and they're getting paid for it. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like ways. there's a more clearer consent that is taken when... Maybe it's more regulated, and I could see it'll that. and it'll reduce human sex trafficking because people will actually have that avenue, and it'd probably be cheaper or or the women who are doing it would actually benefit because if it's illegal and you're under a pimp, like you're not getting that kind of money. And then but, let's say you don't again, have a pimp, I you're safer. Like, I feel like it's like if you do regulate it, though, you're putting the pimps. You out of business. Out of business. Exactly. And Amen. it's a struggle for them, so it's kind of like... A, are you are you sympathizing with pimps right now? 
No, because I'm leading into my next point. Okay, I, I apologize. Continue. <laughs> I'm sorry. You just you just threw me for a loop right there. <laughs> because in general, I always feel like it's the pimp that puts the prostitute in their situation in the first place. So mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the really the pimp, I don't think most of the prostitutes would choose to have been there in the first place. Well, I feel exactly. like most of them are just forced. So technically, exactly. if you legalize it, you may not have as many prostitutes if you wanted them to. Well, you won't. You still would have them. Not but really. it would not be as many as you would if you had well, a pimp you'd be, gone around. be surprised. I mean, there are a lot of... Well, at that point, I feel like you might as well have been a stripper. Well, That's why you, you have more, more strippers. You probably make more money as a prostitute. Well, then, I just feel like it's... But then, a, then you have people as porn stars because, you know, exactly. at least you get filmed. It's a similar thing, except it's your... It's private. You know, it's so you don't know who they... The you don't know if they're sleeping with, like, an important person. Well, I just feel like it's safer. It's safer for the woman or or man. Are you, it, I feel like you're, like, supporting it more in the lines of how it should be legal, kind of how, like, you have, like, the porn star industry, so where, like, they technically should be... Protected. You know, protected and how they should all they're always usually checking themselves yeah because most of the time because granted when it comes to the porn industry they're going through a lot of problems with human trafficking in regards to oh, uploading sure. you know illegal porn on their website Especially but they're like it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot more regulated than prostitution and i just feel like it I will mean, provide more safety for all people. i think of like at that point if you want to do that you might as well just have an only fans yeah, but you could it's, always do that. it's still it's still different. I know it's different, but I'm saying if you're gonna go if it. you're gonna look like porn websites, you might as well just have an OnlyFans because it's like yeah. you know at least you don't have to touch anyone if you don't want to. Well, I also think of it it's like your this. own thing. You want to starve the illegal market. So, mm. like, think about marijuana before it was legal in a lot of states. Yeah, it's expensive. See, it's not regulated. Mm-hmm. Or any kind of street drug. Mm-hmm. It's not the pure drug, so it's more dangerous. You could get sick, um, and it's more expensive, yeah. and it leads to a lot of crime in the inner city, across international lines. It leads to gang violence, etc. Now, Based on statistics and stuff now like you that. legalize marijuana, mm-hmm. you starve that illegal market because people Even though, have yeah. legal means to get it, and maybe it's not removed, but it's greatly reduced. True. You know, and the average person may have more access to it without fear than they would have before. And it reduces filling up our prisons with people who shouldn't be there for certain lower level crimes. Which sucks because the people who did have to pay the price for selling, they're still in jail. Exactly. So my thoughts are, I just feel like... Prostitution should be legalized. Even though personally (laughs) I don't agree with it. Like, I don't like the idea of someone selling their body for sex. But it is their body and at least if it's regulated they can be protected from stds violence and then actually profit off of it instead of being driven into an abusive world i always found like under their thumb. no difference with it when it comes to like prostitution i always was like oh there's prostitution and then i always felt like porn used to be the same way where i was like oh it's basically the same the only difference is it was like one is actually your job and you're on camera the other mm-hmm. one is Still your job, you're just behind closed doors mm-hmm. with maybe someone who is important. You never know. I agree. So, and I, you it's know, it's a pretty what? gray area, though. I usually just assume, <laughs> oh, pimp. Same thing. Sugar daddies, sugar babies. Same well, thing. there's, 
It's definitely a gray area. More gray areas. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they'd be hitting the controversial topics in this episode. Oh, for sure. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, we just have opinions. <laughs> we have I don't, opinions. I don't care if you agree or they not. They may not be. The, they they cannot be right nor wrong. They're just yeah. opinions. If you agree, cool. If you don't agree, my bad. <laughs> if you don't want to talk really, about it, if you, you don't want to hear about it, skip this section. <laughs> it'd be like that. I'm like, I mean, I don't, I don't care. I don't know what to tell you. It's just. That's just our thoughts. I'm sorry. Hi. If you don't want us to talk about I'm our sorry. thoughts anymore, we'll stop. We'll stop. <laughs> we'll just move on. It's okay. We're sorry. It's interesting. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> shut up. So now Booth meets with the escort. Oh, it was the. We've already talked about that. Dang it. No, we're at. at we're Agent at Finn, Finn. now. Mm-hmm. Bit stupid Finn. Booth yeah. confronts. Oh, was Finn, Finn confronts Booth? I don't remember. One yeah. of them two confront she, each other. So and she comes up to it. Booth and she's like, "Hey, look here, pal. I'm good at my job, and you've been freezing me out this whole time. Clearly, you. It's not a, a sex issue because you're you work with Dr. Brennan, but you got a problem with me. So just say it. You know. And right. Booth calls her out because he's like, "Look, you don't respect." The, the job, FBI. and you look at it as a stepping stone. So I'm not going to respect you. Basically, yeah. And he was, I was just like, damn, Booth, like you just put Agent Finn in her place because he's just like, you know, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. You know, right. wearing this badge is being noble, and you as hell ain't being noble. If you want to go be a screenplay writer or whatever, go do that. But don't be here. And just treating the FBI as any less than what you yeah. think it is. What's so weird to me is that she has this mindset of, like, seeing it as a stepping stone, which, I mean, a lot of people in different federal agencies do. Mm-hmm. But, like, becoming an FBI agent is tough. Like, there's testing. This whole there's process. Chronicle. So it's kind of crazy to think that she just got there. As and a side just... gig? <laughs> like, bro, you know how much work and how hard it is to get into the FBI? Yeah. Like, that takes years. Well, I mean, you have to be a certain age. You yep. have to have a bachelor's. A you have to pass a experience. Test. Oh my gosh, there's so much. Yeah, it's just kind of strange to me. <laughs> you know, like maybe if she was like a regular, maybe homicide detective, which is still tough to do. Yeah, but it's not the same process as becoming an FBI agent. Like, hey, so, I'm an FBI agent. Oh, what you yeah. here for? Oh, yeah, it's just my stepping stone. <laughs> right, like that's a weird <laughs> stepping stone. Like I could see people using it as a stepping stone to get into a different part yes. of the criminal justice system, but not but to just not to get take into entertainment. Left, like what? <laughs> yeah, kind of strange. Kind of weird. What was weird to me is like Bones actually decides to meet with the producer. Oh, yeah. So she meets with the producer who is Penny the Marshall. one, the only Penny Marshall. They're on a talk show. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know who Penny Marshall is, they say in the movie she directed Big. She um, directed A League of Their Own. Mm-hmm. Her brother is Gary Marshall, mm-hmm. who you will know he directed the Princess Diaries movies. Um, they're, they're both in Hocus Pocus, um, (laughs) and also she was on the TV show, um, in the 70s and 80s called Laverne and Shirley, Mm -hmm. which is a comedy, um, sitcom offshoot of Happy Days, Mm -hmm. which all amazing shows. I love Laverne and Shirley. I quote it all the time. (laughs) It's one of my favorite shows. So, um, watch anything to do with Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall. (laughs) That's my that's my plug. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. While the interaction that was going during the talk show, I was just dying because they're just trying to deal with how Bones is acting. <laughs> You're like, how did that make you feel? She's like, I wasn't there for that. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't know. In interviews, it's amazing. Oh, it is. Because even when she does run out, like when her phone starts ringing, she's like, okay, cut. Uh, whoever you are, whatever. She answers the phone. She goes, oh, well, I got to go. And the only comments they have as they keep the show going, they're like, you see that? That's passion. I also oh, love when what? she describes the movie Big as the, yes. the time-space paradox. I was like, what? That was hysterical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was hilarious to me. So, I do love Big. Oh, yeah. Great movie. But also... <sighs> gross. Okay. Gross. Like, okay. I love it. It's so gross. Dude. You know what? It's it's reverse vampire. Stop. Okay. Hear me out here, okay? Hear me out. Your theories are <laughs> welcome welcome to my brain, okay? I will explain it and then you'll you may or may not see my point. Okay, so in a vampire human relationship When pigs fly, get it? <laughs> the theories when pigs fly. So so in your average human vampire romance, the human is ideally a female teenager mm-hmm. and or young adult. Mm-hmm. Um and the vampire is typically a male who is at the very least a hundred years old or more but has the appearance of someone in a similar age group. And to me, I find it weird and gross that even if even if you look like you're a 21-year-old, you are in fact oh old as God. hell. Why would an 18-year-old be to your fancy? I can tell you. I'm 24. An 18-year-old is not to my fancy, and I am nowhere near the age of your average vampire. I have nothing in common with an 18 year old our worldviews are different if I that vampire them. was david boreanaz i'd be perfectly fine i dude i'd be okay with it i get it but on the but as the as the younger person but on the vampire end like sometimes as the older person like what like to me the idea of being with an 18 year old like like granted i respect you as an 18 year old but i wouldn't want to be with you. The fact this is the usual dynamic, too. Right. So I'm getting to a point here, okay? Yeah. So now, <laughs> so it's gross, obviously, whether yeah. or not they look attractive, they look young, it's a hundred-year-old dude sleeping with an 18-year-old. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> now, in big, it is a 12-year-old boy in a 35-year-old <laughs> man's body. It's so bad. Sleeping with an adult woman. Now, granted, she had no idea that this was the scenario when but they come slept on, together. Directors. But the directors who wrote this, like he even he went for that booby, and he's like, "Ooh, booby!" Like to me, <laughs> like oh my gosh! I was Imagine like, That's going a bad back to your body, and you're twelve years old, and you're like, "I had sex," and you're twelve years old, and they're like, "Oh, what?" He got. Were you raped? Like it's just. It's um, it's a mind field, okay? So it's reverse vampire because he's really actually super young, but he's in this older body. His brain so is of a twelve-year-old. Oh my god! It's acceptable because you just see Tom Hanks, but the the mental acrobatics that you have to do to yes. justify that in that movie to make you sleep well at night is astounding. It's um. You know, it'd be like that sometimes. 
It be like that sometimes, okay? <laughs> you don't want to live inside my head. It's an awful place. It's so funny, though. It's, it's so funny. Just place. stay away from Zoltar. You'll be fine. <laughs> so in the next scene, they meet the ex-boyfriend, Nick, at the beach, okay? And we learn that he knew her as Sandra Kane. We learn that she, you know, was obviously addicted to plastic surgery. She never felt good enough. And we learn that, obviously, Nick busted the windows out of her car when he found out what she did. Dude, the beginning of that scene, they're playing volleyball, mm -hmm. and you hear Booth is like, oh my god, it's such a stupid game. And I'm just <laughs> like, but I like volleyball. I'm I, with I don't care for sports like that, but I, I like volleyball. It's it's cool. I'm with Booth. I probably feel about volleyball, volleyball the same way I do about bowling. About bowling. I thought you were going to say golf. Because you don't really like golf eh, either. No, golf is an activity. <laughs> oh, no, you don't like baseball. That's what it was. No, I love baseball. I just don't like watching it on TV. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love playing it, but watching it on TV is boring. Maybe you think that he doesn't like watching volleyball. I don't no, know. No, he just hates the game. <laughs> but he'd probably, he'd probably kill at it. Like, he'd probably be really good at it. He's like, <laughs> he's like one of those dudes who just picks up anything. He you really know? is. Like, was a jack of all trades, can do anything. Mm-hmm. That's just because it's Booth. Yeah. Also, booth. like, Nick is super toxic. Oh, for sure. Like, okay, you find out your girlfriend's a prostitute, so you break you the dash window. her windows? Bruh. Ooh, red flag. And he was like, I was even thinking about getting back together with her. And I was like, um, trash. no. Total trash. Like, as if it was your decision. Like, she shouldn't take you back. You like, like how, like, even Booth and... I was about to say Angel. Kill me. Booth and Brendan were literally like, uh, look at this acting. Look at this acting Nick is doing. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> He's very toxic. We don't support. Yeah. And I'm wondering if they were trying to make him, like, Hallmark hot again, because it's just like, is he supposed mm -hmm. to be attractive? <laughs> Yeah, you notice he's the only one on the beach wearing a t-shirt? Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, besides Booth and Brennan. Mm -hmm. But out of the people who are playing, you single him out because he's the only one wearing a t-shirt. Total sass. Weirdo. <laughs> hey, hoosie. <laughs> so the next scene. Oh, gosh. Dr. Goodman admits they're back at the lab, and he admits he will not authenticate the findings. And Hodgins' prediction came true, and here he is pissed. Throwing so, out his I told you so. Mm -hmm. So then there is another argument, and Dr. Goodman warns Hodgins that, you know, he's the subordinate and needs to watch himself. And I'm just sitting here like, man, these close-ups are pretty hot. Like, put the... Like... <sighs> Look at the blue eyes. I don't They'd know what beautiful. it is about these two men yelling in each other's faces. The majestic faces. voice of Dr. Goodman. And then on the side of this, this is happening. They're all up in each other's faces. Yeah, Zach, just put them on the table and measure. Okay, oh let's gosh. just do this. This is him peak toddler. <laughs> really he, but you notice he was so concerned and he said it like he was trying to mediate. He was so confident. Yeah, he was like, okay, how about this, guys? Let's just put it on the table and measure. And I don't think he knew. He had no idea. <laughs> He had no idea what he was talking about. It was so good. It was, it was so great. Good. It was gold. It was great. And obviously, again, Dr. Goodman is the bigger man, and Hodgins is freaking pushing it. He's being mm -hmm. a literal, like, insufferable. But to his credit, you know, he was right about Dr. Goodman. Oh, and for sure. what happened. 
And even like Angela brings up on how Dr. Goodman was the bigger person because she told them, guys, just walk away. Yeah. And Hodgins was ready to go for it. And Dr. Goodman walked away. And Hodgins is just smirking, and Angela was like, you know, he was the bigger person here, okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Clearly. Oh, for sure. Being the voice of reason here again. Being the majestic (laughs) voice he is. And then from there, we jump to um, Dr. Kostov again. um, Bones and Booth kind of follow him while he looks like he's walking out of his practice. Yeah. And he admits that he was sleeping with Rachel and that he did her surgery. Yep. And I was like, yeah, gross. Because, <laughs> like, sleep with your clients. <laughs> Just imagine him sleep with your clients, but also, like, critiquing their faces. Right. Oh, well, this is wrong with your body. I could fix that. <laughs> That's so messed up. Seriously. Or you're on a date. Imagine him dating. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're so beautiful. You know, if I changed your eye a little bit, maybe your nose goes in this direction. <sighs> That's so gross. Gross, 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 gross. Oh, God. And from there, we go back to the lab. Yes. And Hodgins, you know, he admits to Zach that he's being a little critical of Dr. Goodman's process. And that is why he's giving him a hard time, you know, because he doesn't like the process. And during that, Zach figures out the manner of death um, of the stabbing seems to mirror the indentations from her jaw surgery, meaning that the murder weapon is the same tool that was was utilized for her plastic surgery. CCC. Mm -hmm. So he calls... Brennan. But it's not until <laughs> later she picks up the call. Because Bones and Booth feel like they're reaching a dead end. And Bones isn't ready to give up. And even Booth is like, man, like, I have nothing. I got nothing. Like, you got more evidence than I do. Like, I don't have any stuff. And she's like, stuff? He goes, you know, I, I don't have a feel for her. Like, I don't got much stuff on her. <laughs> and she's like, yes, you do. Like, she was so, and she's like, she gets all up in her feels. Okay, this is where she really talks about the whole how people are unique and how she wants them to be unique and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that's when Bones gets a call from Zach. Right. And he talks, he brings up how, look, it's only one instrument mm-hmm. that a plastic surgeon, very specific one, would have done on the victim. And it, he also brings up on how, like, oh, this instrument was the reason of her death as well so we're just having our dun 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 moment mm-hmm. so then we meet the doctor <laughs> oh wait i had a few thoughts about when bones got emotional did you really what yeah. were your thoughts so um just about how passionate she is on this view of hers when it comes to the plastic surgery mm-hmm. i feel like it's just kind of strange for a scientist you know really because even though she talks about like that we're all made from evolution Mm -hmm. it just seems weird that she puts this emotional attachment to needing to be unique like there's this integrity in it Mm -hmm. you know it just seems like a weird take to have because down the line like when we there's an episode where they talk about like transgender issues yeah and bones is like seems to me more on the side of allowing people or being in agreement with people getting those surgeries. And to me, you know, those surgeries are, 
you know, consensual people doing what they want to their bodies, it doesn't seem any different than people getting other plastic surgery wanting to, you know, be who they, be mm-hmm. their authentic selves or whatever. So it just seems weird that she has an issue with it here. I mean, obviously the girl had some issues and I... everything, but it just seemed to me that it was weird that she had this stance. I mean, I kind of understood it. I felt like it would have been more Booth that would have done it, but I I do get it from her perspective because she is someone who works with bones on the daily. And to see how much she, like, redid everything to literally her bone structure, I think that's what really got her is to how literally they are cutting the bones apart. They are breaking the bones Mm -hmm. to change how they look so they can be a completely different person and here she is just, like, dealing with people in general who lost their lives getting murdered and whatnot. And now you have these people literally destroying their bone structure to become something else. Mm-hmm. So I think it was kind of a wake-up thing when she saw, like, oh, look, peeling off this film off mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. off the bones to where she's like, why would you do such a thing? You know? True, true. Like, that there are people sense. dying. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Something along those lines. That's kind of what I, I felt for it, where it's like, I feel like she just, it's just so, why would you do that? Yeah, I yeah. could see that. Something that I also like about this scene mm-hmm. is how Booth, like, never dismisses Bone's feelings. Oh, he yeah, He always no, sure. validates, listens, and supports her. Oh, for sure. You know? I was like, whenever I watch him, like, validate her, I'm like, he's the one for you. He's the one. He's the one. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I do, too. So, in the in the next scene, they meet with the doctor who did the um, reconstructive jaw surgery he's on the, the victim. Mayor. It's Buffy. <laughs> Dude, you guys don't understand how much I scream. I'm like, is this what it's like to watch Buffy and see the characters? Well, I think that's like with any TV show that you get invested that's in. That's true. But with this everywhere. one, I was like, that mare, his <laughs> questionable like actions and whatnot. So to see him here, I was like, I know this voice. That's too funny. Yes, and then basically it was like a total like time jump for me too because I'm watching him like what this is like 90s early 2000s when mm-hmm. I didn't see him and then not too long later it shows him he aged a bit so I was like wait a minute what well it's really only a few years later <laughs> yeah it wasn't too much later Buffy but it's went like from 97 to 2000 2000 something and, and then Bones, Bones is came out like 2005. Mm-hmm. But it's like they show like all of a sudden like he has gray hair. He right. has a bunch of facial. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> who are you? Who are you? <laughs> so they meet with him, and he, apparently, Doctor Atlas. Yes, his name was Doctor Atlas. He is the surgeon who reveals to have known the victim as Susan Shepard, mm-hmm. and he also gives Bones and Booth his personally designed instruments because Booth did have a warrant mm-hmm. for it. And I don't really think there was really much else that happened in that scene. That was really Except it. for Bones looking like she's about to murder him. Oh, yeah. She literally wants to <laughs> kick his ass. And but, uh, <laughs> she seems, like, fascinated and repulsed by him. Yes. Like, his abilities and stuff. Oh, for sure. And even, like, Booth is, like, kind of just observing everything. Like, oh, look, here's the boat. Right. Whatever. And I, you like how the instrument looks like a weird wrench? 
I, in my mind, I was like, imagine that, like, you're the successful human and you are just like a successful surgeon. You're like, you know, what would be great for me is if I designed my own instruments. And I'm like, these just look like instruments that'd be in Saw. I'm like, something's, you can just murder people with these instruments. Torture devices. Right. It just looked very, very funky. Uh, That's how all I felt in that. I was like, oh, what the heck? It was like a combo of like um kitchen utensils and uh, a toolkit. Yes, is weird. Hashtag #torture devices. So <laughs> we we come to a truce between Hodgins and Dr. Goodman mm-hmm. back at the lab. Um in, They're Dr. in good Goodman's Dr. Goodman's office. office. Mm-hmm. So fancy in there. Agreed. It's very <laughs> homey. Yes. Very adult like. <laughs> like a study. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Dr. Goodman kind of reveals why he won't, he won't authenticate them. He doesn't want to desecrate the remains for the sake of science. Which I respect. And Hodgins understands, and they kind of come to an alternate, mutually um, beneficial explanation, where um, Hodgins says that Dr. Goodman is just waiting for imaging technology to develop, so mm-hmm. it's not necessary to deconstruct or contaminate the remains and dr goodman's like oh oh yeah you're right (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that scene actually opens up with dr goodman even telling him you know like that's when we Mm -hmm. when we brought up earlier how he sees him as a colleague so instead of being like you know i'm your superior he Mm -hmm. was really just trying to be one of them and he was taking hodges and shots because he's like you know i never really get that yeah i love the boss man i love the sentimental Dr. Goodman, especially, like, as a scientist. like oh, for sure. For a show that is so science-based, yes. I love how much emotion and, and human experience <laughs> and heart is in this show. Yes, for sure. Even though it's so based on forensic evidence. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know. So it's like, and they should still show, like, these people have character. Exactly. They have a they personality. Feel, they feel like a real, well-developed people. Yes, is that character development, yeah? Yeah, where like you feel their motivations, and you're like, this feels out of character for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or this feels totally in character. Like, I really like that. Me too. Mm-hmm. So, was it? We found out the murder weapon, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. We do indeed. Because um, they there was also a scene where, like, you see Bones is, like, literally stabbing these, like, um, the, clay. the clays. I remember when I did take a forensic class in high school. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to match these impressions on this clay, like for different screwdrivers and flatheads and pliers and stuff. And I'm like, I can't figure this out. Like I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm 17, 18 Dude. in high school, and I'm trying to figure out if this matches. I agree. I'm not trained for this. <laughs> That's like I took an investigations class in college, and we did a similar thing where we looked at um, bullets mm-hmm. to try to ballistics. figure out ballistics, mm-hmm. where you see the different striations on the on the bullet to see, you know, what if they came from what weapon okay, yeah and i was like man this is difficult i don't got the eyesight i don't got the 2020 <laughs> for this the only thing i felt confident in from my little high school forensic class was um when he talked about like the blood spatters in different direction and what kind it would have been and um where you probably would have got hit and if it was like a major artery or something based on the blood yeah. you know i read I recently found that fascinating. i read I recently that, that there's a lot of um 
controversy over the authenticity of blood spatter evidence. That's crazy. I can't remember where I read it from. I'll have to bring it up again some other time, but it was very interesting where... It sounds interesting. Yeah. I can't remember. (laughs) But but yeah, so she's doing the imprints, like the impressions and stuff, and she finds the instrument... And Bones and Booth go and confront Dr. Atlas and his attorney. Uh, attorney. Mm-hmm. Now, one of, with one of his instruments, and was like, ha-ha, this is the murder weapon. Like, mm-hmm. behold, it's in this bag. It was you with the, plas- you. With the plastic <laughs> surgery instrument on a boat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> is this clue? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then he admits to doing the victim's procedure for free mm-hmm. and admits to having seen her as an escort. And then he says he was seeing another girl who wanted to marry him and instead switched to seeing Susan. And once he says she was addicted to plastic surgery, he refused to do it anymore. He reveals who the previous girl was and how she was flashy and how um, the victim was actually more of like the girl next door. So she Mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, more likely to be the one who had the flashy nails with yes. crystals that was where we realize <laughs> that the nail actually belonged to the killer dun, dun, dun. he dr atlas is so weird here like the way he describes the victim susan <laughs> he's like she was simple healthy <laughs> yeah. like i was like oh, okay is she uh is she livestock what no. got me is how like the attorney just kept saying yep you, you have to answer that you might as well answer that. And I was like, I'm going to assume that this is okay. I think that maybe they were like, <laughs> we always have the uh, the attorneys making things difficult. So let's have an attorney that makes things go our way. Yeah. They're like, this is California. <laughs> California. But I mean, they, they got a lot of crap on them. So yeah, but it, she, it's she, funny because it wasn't mm-hmm. even him. So I guess that's why she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. you can say all this because it's not you. Yeah, you might as well. Yeah, it was interesting. Well, for sure. You know. And and then because they look at the fingernail and by hearing like the type of girl the second um, escort was that she had, you know, diamonds in her incisors and et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah. In her incisors and her nails. And on her nail, they're like, okay, this is Leslie. This is Leslie. My thing is, is I'm like, I'm like, okay, you can assume it's Leslie, but what if there's other girls? (laughs) I mean, like, he just got lucky to have encountered Leslie out of all the escorts that were sent to him. Yeah. You know? It could have been any of the escorts that were probably working for that business. But just so happened that, oh, look at the coincidence. Hmm. Movie magic. (laughs) So they know it's her. (laughs) And they go back to the hotel. And we see, but we don't hear the exchange. So Mm -hmm. Bones is sitting, is standing Onto the side. Mm-hmm. But she's watching it, and Booth meets with Leslie, and he takes off her fingernail. Bruh, I was like, yikes, it just easily came off. Like, it's like as if, like, a ring just wiped off a finger. You just took off her nail. Ooh. And at first, I had to look at Pig, I'm like... Was that supposed to be a fake nail or her real nail? It looks is like that her finger under that looks like crap? Personally, when I first watched this episode, I would think of it as like a press-on nail, the one that they found. Right. But when you look at her nail in the scene when Booth takes off the fake nail, yes. you see her finger looks somewhat deformed, like yes. maybe indicating that her real nail tore off. I was like, yikes. 
Oh, painful, painful, painful. But then it wasn't painful. He just kind of swiped it off. I'm like, bro. Maybe she didn't use a strong adhesive. She needed crazy glue or something. Gorilla glue. Right. And so you, um, so they're, they're sitting down. He takes it, you know, she gets arrested Mm -hmm. and, um, you can see when she leans over after she's been arrested, she whispers something to Booth. Turns out she asked Booth, you know, if he thought that she was beautiful. You know, and you can see what's important to her, <laughs> right? And so, obviously, um, you know, having a lot to do with the similar theme with the victim is just yeah. wanting to be beautiful and wanting to be wanted. Yeah. And um, we learned that the victim's name was actually Allison Holmes, and that she's survived by her brother and her father. Um, you know, be, they found her based on an article about her car accident when she see. was younger. So. And then um, also talking about Leslie, the reason as to not only, you know, beauty's important, the reason also why she killed is because um, she thought Dr. Atlas was stealing her instead of, you know, taking her away. Right. Instead of Leslie. Leslie's like, um, no, you're not taking my man. So <laughs> she was like, yeah. slice. <laughs> yeah. It seems like the... Um... Sorry about that. Sounds like the theme... It's okay. I've been hitting my chair a lot. My bad. (laughs) The theme of this episode is like integrity, kind of. Like the integrity of humanity. Interesting. So like with the B plot, it's the integrity of the remains. Mm -hmm. Like keeping them intact, not disrespecting them. Right. And in the A plot, the crime plot, it's the integrity of a human being, not, not desecrating your autonomy yeah you know okay seems to be what i gathered mine was just more like shining lights on a lot of stereotypes and things that how you view hollywood and plastic surgery the Mm -hmm. whole idea of it you know not everything seems this way mm -hmm. but that's how some people take it so i saw more of that but i could definitely see like integrity especially more on like maintaining the older body the was a 1500 year Mm -hmm. body maintaining its integrity so i could see that for sure Mm -hmm. overall a solid bones episode yeah i liked it everybody was serving um did their part Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was great yeah all right guys well i hope you enjoyed the commentary section Mm-hmm. We are going to move on to our true crime section. Yes. Are you ready? Hoot, 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 let's do hoot, it. Hoot. Okay. <laughs> so this is another one of those where I don't have too much information about the victim. Um, I prefer it. I do my best. But um, I have some good info. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I at least have pictures of them, so I'll be able to put it on the video portion Mm -hmm. so you'll be able to see everybody's faces yeah we'll have it up on youtube (laughs) (laughs) so um on august 29th 2015 in astoria queens 2015 pretty recent that's not too long ago just a few years ago okay um new york somebody calls 911 in a local neighborhood um after he saw flames shooting out of an alley so (laughs) like actual like fire like fire 
Okay, fire. we see him. Fire. So firefighters found the body of a man with his feet propped up against the rear door of a building in an alley. Oh. He was on fire from the waist down. Oh, ooh, yikes. They, they couldn't really say whether or not like he was still alive when the firemen arrived, but his body was so badly burned that oh. they could only identify him from a tattoo. What about the, his face? He's been burned, boo. You said from the bottom down. Right. So you're saying it climbed was, all the way up to his face? He was currently on fire from the bottom down. Oh, okay. So eventually it got him up to his face yeah. and it killed him. So the tattoo said sugar sha. Sugar sha? Yeah. Like S-U-G-A-R-S-H-A? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a neighbor who witnessed it said that he was bloody. Oh, this is a quote. He was bloody. He had bloody hands, and you could tell that a fire had gone on because the floor was actually burned. Our Oof. children play in this community driveway. Now everyone is terrified to let their kids come out and play. So this was like out in the open. Yikes. This guy was on fire. I'm wondering if it's one of those situations where like everyone heard the screaming but didn't come to help. Mm-hmm. So, so there, on his body, there were bullet wounds in his torso. Oh, dang. No weapon was found, but a broken fingernail was found on his body. Oh, all right. So, Maybe um, they checked the epithelial cells. <laughs> clearly. They figured out that the man was uh, Shron McWhorton. Shron? Yes, S-H-R-O-N, Sharon. Oh, Sharon, okay. And they figured it out from his tattoo. How old was he? He was 43. Oh, wow. Uh, he um, was, the, his vehicle was found about 100 feet away from his, from his body. Um, he was the father of a 16-year-old boy. I mm-hmm. couldn't find information on, like, what he did for a living mm-hmm. or much else about his life. But he did have a girlfriend, um, 46-year-old Dawn macintosh okay okay so um so like three-year difference yeah so law enforcement interviews his girlfriend um an officer noticed that she was missing a fingernail (laughs) so she denied any involvement in sharon's death girl but when they took her into custody she confessed what Mm -hmm. that's simple that's simple dude so so did she do it so that night, um, Sharon and Dawn argued at her home. Dawn accused him of cheating on her. She said that they had intimate relations. And then she fired two bullets into his torso. Oh, <laughs> Damn. Yeah. She just Like that? Like that. Like they were arguing. She went, pow, pow, you, and had After they had freaking tangled what she killed him after after they had had intimate relations like immediately after did she Um, just admit that she said that after they had done it then she fired two bullets i don't have the logistics of like then she did the deed yeah like (laughs) she finished him and then she finished him like i don't know the logistics of like okay she stood up she put her pants on and then bam 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 but like that's the timeline. Was someone cheating? Is that what she... What she she said that she accused him of cheating on her. Why? Did she get something? 
Um, they don't go into the details of why she believed he was cheating. Okay. Um, so she disposed of the gun after the shooting, washed her clothes, and called on her son, Dante Watkins, who was 21. As she has her own son. Mm-hmm, and an unidentified relative to come and help move the body. They tried to hoist him into uh, the cargo area of his Jeep, mm-hmm. uh, leaving the telltale smears of blood on the rear bumper of the car. <laughs> I um, didn't even see it on your car, bro. But, but when they realized um, they couldn't move him out of the alley, like he's just too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, they Was he a big dude? average or whatever but they were just too weak to get him i guess so i mean dead weight is really heavy true um so they rolled his body a distance from the scene of the shooting Mm -hmm. she admitted that she poured lighter fluid on his body and set it aflame okay so she apparently took law enforcement on a wild goose chase to try to find the murder weapon you like how she even though he's dead she's like you know i'm gonna set him on fire but i'm gonna set him fire on his parts pretty much first (laughs) pretty much (laughs) like it wasn't like okay doused from head down and she's like no the the parts first your little sacred box first Mm mm-hmm Damn, she was mad. She's man. like, you cheat on me with that with that equipment? That equipment's the first to go. <laughs> Did the deed, bro. Apparently. So she sent law enforcement on a wild goose chase for the murder weapon? Yeah, so like she said she tossed it, and so they're driving around, and she's like, oh, well, maybe it's here, maybe it's there. Or you know. she has it. Right. So she claimed that she tossed it somewhere on the Belt Parkway. Okay. And they took several rides with detectives but of course like you just said she had it all along (laughs) (laughs) you can't trust people seriously so some of the neighbors said that dawn was like pretty vain about her appearance that she didn't have great manners she wasn't very well liked and they so crazy how she ended up dating this guy then right no one liked her and she specifically like uh, a neighbor specifically was quoted as saying she did keep her nails done she always looked angry she would look at you and turn her head real quick damn i was like i maybe she has like that long claws kind of nails maybe i don't know how you function with those though dude guys we try we try to be a decent girl. To have we try nails. having like not even like super crazy long nails, like just enough. We can't do oh, it. Honestly, respect to the girls with the ridiculously long nails for being able to function and do things in everyday life. Like, like how do you skill. type? How do you wipe skill. your ass? That I that's just... the real question. <laughs> that. <laughs> That's a myth I need busted, okay? How do you do that? A tutorial. A tutorial. <laughs> By a bidet. <laughs> Honestly. Honestly. So, uh. so, so Don and her son Dante obviously were arrested. Yeah. You know, they appear in court. Mm-hmm. Um, one article said that in court they were looking stoic, not saying a word as their, as their relatives sobbed in the room. Um, the defense counsel tried to argue that Sharon was abusive towards Don and that the an abusive argument is what led to the events of that night. Interesting. So they were trying to go for self-defense? Yeah. Basically, like, like she was emotionally abused and distraught that she felt 
in her safety to protect herself. Okay. Yeah. So the prosecution said that later on, one of Don's children actually came forward and Mm -hmm. spoke, confirming how Sharon was murdered and provided details to the prosecution. Damn. I was like, okay. He went. Yeah, my mama did it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So in August 2020, he threw her under the bus. (laughs) Yes. That's the same thing as... It'd be um, your own. Do you remember the the murders of Marilyn Green and Jerry Hillard? I see. Um, Inez Jackson, one of the individuals who falsely accused Al Story Simon of committing the murders, her daughter snitched on her, too, saying that her mom was lying about her Dang. testimony. It do be your own sometimes. It do be your own. Like, watch out. That's wild. Yeah. So, in August 2020... Just last year. That's recent. Don pleaded guilty to first degree manslaughter um, and was sentenced to 24 years, followed by five years of supervised release. So in one of the first sentencings during in like during COVID, you know. That's like in-person crazy. sentencing, I think it said. Okay. Um, so I couldn't find if Dante, her son, was sentenced or not. Because um, he was a part of it. Right. But like I said, it was one of the first in-person sentencing in Queen's Supreme Court since the coronavirus if pandemic began. If you think about began. it, maybe that's why he, uh, he <laughs> threw his mom under the bus so he would get less time. Uh, well, they didn't say which of her children threw her under the bus. Oh, just wait, one she of has children. more than one child. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe that's why we didn't hear about Dante's conviction. Maybe he's the one who snitched on her. Who knows? Who knows? Um, It's very recent. But Dawn's lawyer said that she was physically and psychologically abused growing up and something occurred that ultimately triggered something in in Mrs. McIntosh's mental state Uh that caused this horrible crime. Damn. Um, So Dawn begged for forgiveness from Sharon's family and said things like, things took place that were really out of my control. I was broken. I was a broken woman. Um, a lot of things happened that led up to that night that can't be explained in a couple of minutes. If I'd reached out to help for help, maybe it would have been something different, but I didn't. And I made a horrible mistake. She said, I want the family to understand that I'm a good person. So that's like, that apology is like, I'm sorry, but it's not my fault. (laughs) Right? Like, yeah, I could have done better, but I did (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, but it's not my fault. Like, the fact that you say, I want you to know I'm a good person. She still blames him. Like, okay, but you still... She's like, if you knew what happened, I probably wouldn't have. But, like, could you imagine the balls to say that to To the victim's family? family? Like, just know I'm a good person. This isn't a... Like, even if you are a good person, you. you kill... Like, my son is dead. My brother is dead. My dad is dead. I don't care if you're a good person. You like, took away my family. The so fact you're not that she admits person. that she could have done something else is probably what's messed up. Because it's like, dude, you just admitted you could have done better. You could have done something else. And you're trying to explain and trying to reason with them that something he had said led you to the point where you needed to murder him. I think something that I, uh, something that I heard that I really identify with is your mental health, like. It's not your fault, mm-hmm. but it's your responsibility. Yes. So you may be in an abusive relationship trying to get out. You may be having personal issues trying to get out. Like those things that are happening to you, people manipulating you, or you having personal actual yes. diagnosable issues, it's not your fault. 
but it's your responsibility to try and take care of yourself the best you can. Like if you can and you could try to, I mean, at least make an effort to. Mm-hmm. I Obviously, it's not going to happen overnight, yeah. but if and, you mm-hmm. can take some steps, for sure. And here she's using those issues as an excuse instead of taking responsibility. Like there's no the It's only not like he had her here. like locked in the basement, you know. I mean even I so. mean uh, that we know of. But still it's like she has the freedom to go get help. It sounds like she has the freedom to go get help. So well, it's it, kind of interesting how she brought that up as a point like, "Oh yeah, I could have got help, but I still killed him." And but I I'm a good it's person. Tough. It's tough because we don't know whether yeah, we don't know everything. physical abuse happened or not. Oh, for right? sure. So I also would feel guilty about like victim shaming her. Like oh, for if sure, she's definitely. actually a victim and he was but actually But they didn't say her. physical. They said it was mental. But even mental. But even like, with mental, rough. it's still hard. But it's at the same time, you know, she still claims like, oh, you know, right. I could have done something else. So like on one didn't. hand, I, it's so hard because you don't know what happens behind closed no. doors. And even somebody where even if they are well loved by everyone around them, they yeah. can still be an abusive butthole to a loved one at home. What so, gets me ugh, is how she gave the option on how she knew there was another option. When people know that there was another option and they are they are aware of it, that's what usually bothers me. Because it's like, I can't blame you if something, you know, you're in a terrible circumstance. I understand. But if you are aware you had another option, I mean, I feel like you probably should have taken the other option mm-hmm. or don't mention it but at all. when you're in an abusive situation, sometimes even if you know there's another option, you're yeah. in danger. So... But she of, didn't even say she was in danger, too, yeah. which was interesting to me. What got me, because besides that, she was like, oh, you know, I had this other option. But I was, but she didn't say she was in danger. She said, you don't know what happened, though. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. that's kind of relating to danger. That's true. It's possible. Or she was just saying, oh, you just don't know what he said. From the or evidence, you don't know what he did. From the evidence that's provided here, I don't, I believe this crime was unjust. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that he was murdered wrongly mm-hmm. from the evidence that I have at present, mm-hmm. you know, and I believe her remorse, quote unquote remorse, clearly she's regretful that she took these actions. But to say at the end, I want the family to understand I'm a good person. To me, that That's just negates your whole for. apology. That's a lot to ask for. Because it's just like, you took someone away from You're, them. But it's not about her, and she's making it about her. I want yes. you guys to know I'm a good person. It's not about you. It's about like, why are you what making you did this to about them. you? Like, yeah. I feel that. Yeah. So, Sharon's I don't know what mo- happened. <clears throat> so, Sharon's mother, Barbara McWhorter, mm-hmm. was horrified, obviously, at the manner of her son's death. Yes. She said, quote, for her to shoot him and then burn him, I can't get that image out of me. Yeah, she um, went, I'm going to set him on fire. Mm-hmm. She, Barbara, he's already dead. Double tap. Like, Barbara called him, got, called Dawn a stalker instead of Sharon's girlfriend. She said, quote, I told her, talking about Dawn. Wait, hold on. I got confused. So, Barbara McWhorter called. Who's, who's Barbara? Uh, Sharon's mom. 
Okay, Shran's mom is Barbara. Okay. Yes. So um, she called Dawn a stalker instead of saying that she was Shran's girlfriend. Barbara McWhorter said about Dawn, I told her if you come back again, I'm going to have you arrested. She also said, Barbara McWhorter, that um, Sharon had survived cancer earlier that year in 2015, Damn. only to be murdered by Dawn Damn, at the end of the year. Damn, that sucks. Oh, yeah, that family will not forgive her. Um, <gasps> Barbara McWhorter said, for the last five years, I've been living in hell. I've been sick. I've had to sleep with the machine at night because it took five years to bring this case to a close. She alleged that Dawn even sent her an email saying, um, prior to the murder, that Dawn sent an email to Barbara saying, nobody will have him. I will take his freedom away. What? Yeah. I don't get that. So Barbara McWhorter said that prior to the crime, Dawn sent her an email saying, nobody will have him, meaning Sharon, I will take his freedom away. Kind I, don't of, get, I don't really understand that. Basically saying if nobody will have him, if I can't have him, no one can. Which is a common thing said by abusive people who end up murdering someone who's trying to leave them. So Don said that to the mom. Yep. I was here thinking the mom said it to Don, so I no. was like, what? No, Barbara received... Allegedly received an oh, email from maybe Dawn. I kept thinking you said Barbara had sent to Dawn in an email, so I was confused. No, like, Barbara what? said that Dawn sent an email. That's fucked up, right? So basically, she went to, to please forgive me to five years later, like I don't regret shit. No, 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 no. You got it flipped. Barbara said that prior to the murder uh-huh. she had received an email from uh, don saying this so this is barbara saying showing okay. intent to kill prior i thought to the this happened after because you mentioned how she was on um, a machine for five years later yes. waiting for this case to close and you made yeah. me think that after the case closed no. don said that to the mom and i was like what no. the fuck so don apparently objected this in court and was chastised, you know, by the judge properly, probably mm-hmm. unlike the previous um, episode of where <laughs> we were in court. Yeah. Um, Barbara went on to say that the su- to Barbara went on to say this directed towards Don said the suffering that you caused my son to shoot him twice, not once, but twice. And you want to burn him and you want me to forgive you. That is asking too much. Yeah. In my opinion, it is. Like, if you're a mother and you have to deal with something like that, I personally feel like that is a lot to ask of someone. Like, you're the one who did the deed. Mm -hmm. You want the mother of that person that you killed to accept that. Imagine how she's probably having flashbacks of when, you know, she found out she was pregnant and, you know, the pregnancy Mm -hmm. and birthing that child and raising that child only to be the child got sick with cancer and then he's cancer free and then you kill him come on yeah that's a lot to ask of a mom um something that i did find was a memorial obituary for Sharon mm-hmm. McWhorter and it has um 
you know, ex talks about like obviously when the services and there's some comments on here, like from family members kind of saying stuff to him, you know, like um, how much they loved him and, you know, they're praying for him and sending condolences and stuff. That's so, nice. So that's nice. And that's where I get one of the pictures of him that oh, I'll end up nice. showing. So he was he was very much loved. You could tell you um, you could tell them family. where they could find it if anyone wants to say some nice thoughts. Maybe yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I'll include all of my resources and links to things. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, in the description of the podcast on YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. So if you guys want to look at any of my sources or see things that I see, you can look at that there too. See, and see, so, see. so that's the murder of Sharon McWhorter. That's and crazy, dude. my connection to the episode is pretty obvious. Um, that the smoking gun was a fingernail. Mm -hmm. And the um, very uh, observation... Uh, what's the word? I don't know what's the word. The observational pro um, police officer mm. who saw that Dawn was missing a fingernail. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I mean, they probably would have caught her anyway, but to catch her so quick, because he saw that, pretty smart. Very. Before she could get her nails done. Yep. <laughs> if she was very adamant about, like, keeping her nails, like, a certain way, I doubt, like, you know, she would have immediately thought to get all her nails off. Well, it was, was probably, next, it was the next, yeah. it was probably just a few hours later, so she probably yeah. was still in shock and on a lot of adrenaline True. about the murder to even think about replacing the nail. Yeah, and especially the fact that she even confessed, you could tell, like, she was a bit like, oh, I did this, you know? Yeah, so. she seems very back and forth where she wants to take responsibility. It's like she does want doesn't. to, but at the same time, she's like, but I'm a good person. And he deserved it. But at the same time, she's like, but I didn't mean to. So, you know, it'd be like that sometimes. Yep. It's a it's tough unfortunate. one. Very tough, unfortunate. Tough one. That sucks. Yep. Oh, well. It does indeed. <laughs> and uh, that's the closing of another episode. I hope you guys found it interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for... Thank you. Arriving with Round us. of applause, clap, clap and a half. <laughs> um, what is the next episode? The next episode, I believe, episode is... Episode 11. Is it the superhero in the alley? I don't remember the name of the episode 11. I believe it's the superhero in the alley. Another great episode. Um, well, no, no, no. It's a woman in the in a car. That's oh. what it is. Oh. Superhero in the alley Sorry. is after a woman in the car. Okay. So the next one is super... Uh, wow. The next one is a woman in, <laughs> in a car. In a car. All right. And we will see you guys again next week. Catch um, you next week. Catch you later. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Do you have any thoughts about our conversation? There is, we had a lot. Yeah, lots of lots of controversial things to talk about. Oh, what do you guys think? Sorry if we offended anyone. You know, you we know. just we just talk. We're, yeah. you know, we're only human. Please and you know don't what? shoot the messengers. We're always learning. And yeah. we're young, gaining... obviously. <laughs> we don't know everything. Right. And we're trying to gain new perspective and learn. And yes. and maybe we can learn from your guys' We will try to open stuff. our minds. Yes. We're trying. So, you know, and give us a rating on um, Anywhere. Apple Podcasts Anywhere. and Stitcher. I think that's the place where you can actually rate the podcast. Anyway. So let us know what you think. Comments and... are dope, too. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, just give us some feedback. Let us know what we can do better. Let us know what you like or maybe don't maybe, like. <laughs> maybe some suggestions or whatever. At least we know you listen to us. <laughs> but we are having a great time with this. Yeah. And we're, I'm we're really enjoying keep trying it. to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So look at that. We are already in the double digits of season one. Woo-woo. We got to episode 10. We're going to move on to 11. Get some excitement. The fun guys. has arrived. We will have a surprise for season two, so be prepared. Well, we do. Yes, we do. You'll remember later. In time, you will. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we'll catch you guys next week. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Adios. Adios. <laughs> bye. Hasta lasagna. Bye. <laughs> das Lida. Das Vidania? Yeah. Hasta lasagna. I got my eyes on ya. Bye. Bye. Next week on The Heart and the Bones. Regular. Get in my belly. You was in my belly. Hello, Scott Green. You would be where Seth Green. You would think of Scott because of Austin Powers. They're Scott. They're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>